2: Level three already. The quickest 100 minutes of sports talk radio. This is Sports right. Steve Merrill will hop up and in. We'll talk week zero college football. Man, you know, everything is just sort of uh, colliding and rapidly approaching at once uh, right now, including the FIBA World Cup. FIBA World Cup. It's getting real, man. This thing starts on Thursday night in the overnight hours. And pretty cool. We go from the Women's World Cup of Soccer, which I really thoroughly enjoyed, actually. And I don't know if you've seen, this all the stuff that's happened with Spain over the last couple of days, like with their coach and the, the director of football and stuff. Like, it's beyond, like, crazy now at this point. So, like, when they won, when they beat England the other night, the dude grabbed the princess of of Spain after which you're not supposed to touch her So he actually touched the 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 princess. He he sort of like grabbed and Kind of like inappropriately the 16 year old daughter of the prince of uh, the princess of Spain So like let's just let's say he got hands-on with the princess He got hands-on with the daughter Then, I don't know if you guys see right now, tonight it just popped out, the coach grabbed one of the woman's breasts after the game. Um, The the director went up and kissed one of the girls on the lips when she got the medal. And, oh, yeah, the girl that kept scoring a winning goal for them, Olga Carmona, her mother died, or excuse me, her father died. Her father died, but they didn't tell her. (laughs) She didn't know. She found out after. They were all, we didn't want to, you know, so they, you know, it was just like the fallout like people in Spain are like panic remember there was already controversy about them and like inappropriate behavior about these two um now even though they won like people want them fired and all this now there's like a new picture popping out tonight like yeah if this stuff happened in like north america if if this happened with the canadian team or the american team like all hell would break loose right in spain i don't know what the hell they're doing like i you know it is what it is. But we go from the Women's World Cup, which was cool, but now you know what? The FIBA World Cup, uh, basketball. All right, so this thing is going to be lit as well. And we're going to have like overnight action all night, all the time and stuff for the first couple of nights and I don't know, week uh, of stuff. It, there's There's a full slate here. Let me load it up. Starting on Thursday night in the overnight hours. So, um, 4 in the morning East Coast time this thing starts. 1 o'clock in the morning West Coast time. I'm going to get screwed over again and have to wake up and stay up and do some weird things here for the next uh, week and a half again. It's almost like par for the course. Angola and Italy is the first game. There's actually two games at once. Finland and Australia, which is actually a pretty good game. Australia are 9.5 point favorites. And Australia are one of the favorites to win this tournament. Montenegro and Mexico and Latvia and Lebanon, Dominican Republic and the Philippines, Germany and Japan, Egypt, Lithuania, and then the main event, the prime time game there, Canada and France, 9.30 Eastern Time, Friday morning, 6.30 Pacific, Canada and France, the opener of the FIBA World Cup for both teams. Let's roll. The Late Night Anchor Management Class. This is Sports Rage. I am Gable Marenzi. The pips, the players, the hustlers, the people, the Bustler, but everybody else in between. Shout out to all and AM radio affiliates, including the Buddy 1090 ESPN Radio. SoCal in the house, although in the words of Dennis Green, we let them off the hook. Uh, San Diego continues to let everybody off the hook. There has been a path. There has been an avenue. There has been a freaking freeway and highway to play yourselves back into the National. League wild wildcard picture. Just ask the Arizona Diamondbacks. It doesn't take much, right? Win eight of ten games. Win four or five in a row, and the next thing you know, you're knocking on the door of uh, the wild card. The Chicago Cubs, very similar situation. San Diego just can't keep the pedal to the metal. They keep on just like driving off the road into the ditch, and um, as it is right now, they find themselves six games behind right now in the wildcard card. The Philadelphia Phillies have a three and a half game lead. The Phillies are a dangerous team and if you look at the futures in the National League, after Atlanta and Los Angeles, there's a big drop off to Philadelphia and Quite frankly, besides Atlanta, Los Angeles, and Philadelphia, I don't think anybody is capable of winning uh, the National League. So, in other words, I think there's actually value to take the Philadelphia Phillies to win the National League. As far as the American League is concerned, uh, the Seattle Mariners keep winning. They're in the playoffs if they started today. The Tampa Bay Rays have a a four-and-a-half game lead in the wild card. Houston Astros are only a half game up on the Seattle Mariners uh, right now for, uh, for second place in the division. And as far as the wild card is concerned, the Toronto Blue Jays have won three games uh, in a row. That's the good news for them. The bad news is the Seattle Mariners have won eight in a row. The Boston Red Sox have now lost a couple uh, to the Houston Astros. Justin Verlander tells Alex Cora to F off uh, this evening in a very amusing uh, way. The Angels are all but done. The Angels are now ten games back. In the wild card. Countdown to kickoff is on. Steve Merrill's going to step up and in for prosportsinfo.com and wager talk. We'll go through every game on the card. The game of the week the Ohio Bobcats and the San Diego State Aztecs. People want more flash with the Aztecs. People that bet on them just want to win and they don't care how. We break it down on the other side.
3: This is sports rage. Vet your rage. Bring it. Sportsgrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24 7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering real time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. Sportsgrid.com. BP added more than $70 billion
0: to the U.S. economy in 2022
2: The Twisted Tuesday continues. This is Sports Rage. I am Gabe series SiriusXM XM, Channel 159 of the Sports grade Radio Networks. So let's bring in Steve Merrill, wagertalk.com right now. There's a lot of stuff to unpack. Countdown to kickoff is on. Week zero is nearly here. Major League Baseball, the wild card, and the divisional chases continue. Let's do
5: this thing. Steve, always a
2: pleasure. How you doing tonight?
5: Hey, Gabe, doing well. And, yeah, we're getting to crunch time in baseball and football around the corner.
2: Well, one team that will not be in crunch time in late September will be the New York Yankees. You and I saw this coming a couple of months ago, actually. I jumped in on the New York Yankees at plus money not to make the playoffs, but you want to talk about the definition of a falling knife, Steve. Unbelievable. Their first nine-game losing streak in 41 years. Billy Martin was the manager the last time they lost nine games in a row.
5: Yeah, and how about my red-hot Washington Nationals who played the Mets, who played the Yankees, and now won eight of their last ten, and they're still 23.5 games behind the Braves. I was joking the Nationals could win every game remaining this season. They still couldn't win the division because the Braves will still win like 60%.
2: That is pretty crazy, but the Nationals are a classic example of you can't just look at the one loss record and or or assume the teams with the bigger brand name are going to win. The Nationals can swing the bat. I know you went to a National game recently. Yeah. Dave Martinez, they have a positive attitude, right, Steve? There's a difference between teams, like a team like the Yankees that spend nearly $300 million. It's a catastrophe. Everybody knows it, as opposed to a young a young group that nothing is expected of that has fun going to the park every day. And the Nationals are a team that has fun.
5: Yeah, this time last week, I was leaving a Nationals Park right about now, t- exactly a week ago. They lost to the Red Sox in that game. And then they went on to beat them the next two days on Wednesday and Thursday. Went up and beat Philadelphia right after that. They beat Philadelphia Sunday night in the Little League game. So it's not like they've had a weak schedule. You know, they played Boston, Philly, now the Yankees. And what's crazy is the Nationals are only seven games out of the wild card. Now, I'm not going to say they're going to make the wild card, but they're only 10 games below 500. they They're only seven back of a playoff berth, which is pretty co- crazy considering for the most part they were one of the three or four worst teams in like first three months of the season.
2: So the overnight number right now is plus 120 with Mackenzie Gore on the hill. Severino minus minus one forty. This is a more reasonable price than it was tonight with the Yankees being two to one favorites, uh, tonight, but still, still hard to back a team at minus minus one forty that's lost nine games in a row for the first time in 41
5: years. Yeah. And to put it in perspective, by the way, the Yankees are 10 games out of the wild card. So the Nationals are three games closer to the wild card in the NL than the Yankees are in the AL. And they've lost nine of their last 10, nine straight, as you said, and they're still laying a price. I mean, obviously a two to one favorite is insane. You know, you start to get value at some point with teams on non-game losing streaks, but they're very rarely a favorite in this role. And you've got a Nationals team that's red hot, so it's really the only way to play that game.
2: The Dodgers uh, were up 3-0 tonight to the Cleveland Guardians. They end up losing a baseball game. I thought it was kind of a somewhat of a strange spot for the Dodgers mm-hmm. to be in after playing the doubleheader on Saturday, not playing on Sunday. You had the floods, of course. It's It's unusual for a baseball team to be off for that long, Steve from from Saturday until Tuesday, but then they responded by putting three early runs up on the board, but they end up losing the game. But the Dodgers have been a great bounce-back team after losing.
5: Yeah, I agree. I stayed away from the Dodger game tonight for that exact reason. I just didn't know what to make of the emotional handicap side. But as you said, um, if anything, you would have expected them to get off to a sluggish start maybe. So it wasn't exactly, you know, the 8-3 loss. You see that on the scoreboard. You say, well, it was a distracted spot for L.A. They probably came in flat after several days off. Um, but that wasn't necessarily the case. So we'll see if they bounce back or not. Uh, had that early 3-0 lead. Two runs in the top of the first. Um, but it was also a five-run seventh inning for Cleveland. Um, what concerns me, though, is the Dodgers only had six hits. And that usually is the sign of a team that's slumping a little bit. But as you said, they usually bounce back. I still think Atlanta and L.A. when it comes to the playoffs will be the two teams to be in the National League and perhaps the two teams to be in the entire Major Leagues.
2: The only thing is, too, there's always a danger, too, with teams, Steve, that have won so many games, right, through the regular season it's a grind they're starting to look at the end you know there's a light at the end of the tunnel and that that's the postseason the dodgers know they're going to win this division right so there's not exactly like some sort of dire sense of urgency every night but you want to stay in a rhythm but it's also you know put it this way everybody and i don't know if you agree steve but basically the closer we we come to the end of the regular season like each passing week it almost gets harder to handicap major league baseball you know what i mean Like every week that we get closer to the end gets trickier, especially
5: with teams that are good. Yeah, and to put it in perspective, the Braves are 12.5 up in the East. The Dodgers are still 12 up in the West. You look over the American League, and two of the three divisions have a one-and-two game lead, the East and the West. So you really do have to be careful with Atlanta and L.A. We talk about teams like the Nationals, teams that have struggled all season, sometimes get hot late in the season. The young guys step up, especially in September when the rosters expand. But you also have to be careful with teams that are running away with the division for the same reason. They don't need to tax their starters. They don't need to press their players on a regular basis. And that very well could be what LA's going through. You know, they've quietly established, even with that loss tonight, a 12 game lead in the West NL West.
2: Yeah, I wouldn't overreact. Look, they've lost three games all month, right? You know, what I mean, they were 14 and 1 in the month or 15 and 1 or whatever. They lost on the Friday night game to the Marlins. That was their second loss of the month. They bounced back by sweeping the doubleheader. Now they lose tonight. They'll probably go on another little uh, mini win streak. I've got their win total over. 96 and a half. So to be honest, Steve, that's kind of my only concern (laughs) with what what the Dodgers do from here on out. But considering that they're already at uh, 76, I just need 21 more wins, and I'm not overly concerned. Uh, I, I you know we're gonna we're gonna get there. The Blue Jays are another story. I've got a Blue Jay ticket over 91 and a half. They're they're not a for a baseball team that is 14 games over 500. People are pretty critical of them. But they've got a massive series this week, and considering how hot Seattle is, the Blue Jays need to start winning games and stringing it together. Steve, big win for them tonight in Baltimore.
5: Yeah, they got to go like twenty-two and fourteen, I believe, to get to ninety-two wins. So you know it's doable. It's about the pace they're on right now. Um, the problem with Toronto, they're still two games below five hundred this year against winning teams. or are thirty-eight and forty uh, versus what is it, thirty-two and sixteen against losing teams. So that's really been the difference for the Blue Jays this year.
2: Their schedule does soften up though. Uh, moving forward. So what do you think about the overnight uh, prices? We talked about the Yankees, uh, the Yankees at the Nationals. Kershaw's on the hill for the Dodgers tomorrow. They're the identical price, once again, as they were tonight. Minus 210 Dodgers against uh, the Guardians. The St. Louis Cardinals and the Pittsburgh Pirates go at it in the afternoon. And we've had some wild games, Steve, with the Chicago Cubs and Detroit Tigers so far this week. These games have been sailing over the number.
5: Yeah, the Cubs, for many parts of this season, have been just a great overplay at times. When they get hot, you know, they put up double-digit runs. This is a Chicago team that hits the ball a lot better than people realize. And the Tigers could be that team we talked about earlier. You know, one of those teams come September, has nothing to play for, but goes on a run with some younger players. Uh, Coming into the night, they had won four of their previous six, and they've actually quietly been playing pretty good baseball.
2: The Mets lost tonight, but suddenly they've been winning, Steve. Right Right? now, I don't know if, if the pressure's off or they're just a little bit looser. Uh, right now and or they know they're not the New York Yankees and people don't talk about them (laughs) as much, but even though they lost tonight, they only lost by one run. The Mets have been competitive over, over the
5: last two weeks. And it's like the Diamondbacks, right? The Diamondbacks were the worst offensive team in baseball since the all-star break for two or three weeks straight. But then when they turned recently the last week or two, they've been winning games, scoring more runs. Same thing with the Mets. The Mets were a pure fade for me for several weeks after the trade deadline. But I said, let's wait to see. Now let's watch that falling knife bottom. And it appears it has. And, you know, maybe at the Yankees in the next couple of weeks, the same thing will happen. But it just it's a textbook example, as you and I talk about, Gabe, of why you can't try to guess when it's going to happen. Wait to see it happen. Wait a couple games. See that turn occur. And you still have time to jump on the positive trend when it happens.
2: The D-backs run almost seems like it's not true or something. It's like, come on. Did they, like, were they able to pause the standings? When you consider how bad they were for how long – you would sort of just figured, all right, they're out, they're they're done, they're out of the playoff picture, they're out of the wild card uh, conversation. It was a nice start to the season, you know. See you next year, type of deal. But it goes to show, and specifically in the National League, but it goes to show, Steve, that if you do get hot for a couple of weeks, you can play yourself back in this. Look at the, you know, you were just talking about the Washington Nationals.
5: Yeah, I mean, the D-backs have played 126 games. So what's that mean? They got, what, 36 games remaining, and they're currently in the wild card. You know, and they've gone eight out of the last 10, just like the Nationals. The problem is the Nationals were so far back when they went on this run. uh, What's the difference? But the one thing that jumps out to me about Arizona against winning teams this year, 27 and 40. um, That's pretty remarkably bad for a team that's four games above 500. So they're 13 down against winning teams, 17 games up against losing teams. That's really been the difference. I haven't checked their schedule Um, But I would say if they have any winning opponents, they're probably in trouble.
2: More with Steve Merrill on the other side. The late night anger match for class continues. Bring it.
3: SportsGrid.com. Betting insights and entertainment at your fingertips 24-7 as our team covers the most important topics in sports wagering. Real-time odds, predictive betting models, expert picks, and more. Want the edge? Then get on the grid. SportsGrid.com.
2: Countdown to kickoff continues. I am Gabriel Bracci. We're kicking it with Steve Merrill right now from uh, wagertalk.com, prosportsinfo.com. Week zero rapidly approaching Steve. The Notre Dame Fighting Irish and the uh, Naval Academy go head-to-head in Dublin, Ireland. First game up, 2.30 Eastern time. Sam Hartman, now the quarterback of the Notre Dame Fighting Irish. And this is the first time in years that the Notre Dame Fighting Irish have had a star quarterback and a blue-chip quarterback like Sam Hartman, who's put up a ton of numbers over the years with the Wake Forest Demon Deacons, against a new-look Naval Academy with a new coach and, and 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 an offense in which they say they're going to throw the football more than they have in the past.
5: Yeah, and it's a shame because I wish this was the Old Navy. I would really like kind of like a first quarter or first half under one thing I've noticed over the years, you know, when, it, when a team has a long time to prepare for the triple option, uh, Navy usually starts slow. And obviously Notre Dame's had the entire offseason to get ready for this. But as you said, Gabe, there is that level of uncertainty of exactly what Navy's new regime is going to do. Um, I still think there's a huge class difference between the athletes on these two teams. And um, I still think it'll probably be a pretty slow start for Navy. And, you know, Notre Dame, quite frankly, they haven't played either. So maybe they get off to a little bit of a slow start. So either first half under, or even more specifically, like first quarter under, I think would be worth a look.
2: Don't you think the overall total is a little light, though, at 50 and a half or at least precarious? What do you think about that? Because what one thing we've seen in the past, college football teams, even though they don't play preseason games, have been able to put points up. Navy and um, Navy and Notre Dame, I mean, these guys played to a 35-32 game before in an
5: opener. Yeah, and 51's a key number. A lot of games can land on 51. There's about a 3 to 4% chance a game hits 51. So that 50 and a half definitely takes away a little bit of the undervalue. Uh, first half lines looking at about 26 and a half. 27, 28, as you know, are key numbers also. So I do agree they've kind of priced you out of the underplays here. Um, I haven't seen many books that have a first quarter line, but I do think I saw like a 10 floating, which is really low, because obviously if the first half line is 26 and a half. You know, once again, I think they're kind of onto to the fact that maybe Navy starts a little slow with the new offense. Yeah, you
2: know what? I've got a, um, I've got a first quarter number here for you. Notre Dame, minus six and a half. The total is uh, 10. But it's mi- minus 130 to the over, plus 100 to the under, 10.
5: Right, so that's saying second quarter is 16 and a half, though, which is pretty crazy. Um, you don't normally see a split that big. They're expecting it to open
2: up then as as right. as as it, as it goes on. I do think that Sam Harden brings a completely different dynamic, though, to this offense, Steve. Notre Dame just haven't had a blue-chip quarterback in a long time.
5: Yeah, and I think Notre Dame's probably the play in this game as well. Um, you know, as you and I have talked about in recent years, I'm not afraid to lay big numbers in Week One as much as maybe 10 or 15 years ago. And this, by the way, talk about shopping around. 20 and a halves and 21s are both out there right now. That's a very key number.
2: What is the average, Steve? Of do you know? Do you have it in front of you? What's the average uh, college football score? Like, do you know from last year? Uh, it's in, it's in the
5: low low to mid 50s nowadays. But yeah. it's higher
2: than the NFL. That's what I'm saying. It's normally, sure, yeah. you know, yeah, what it, mean? It, I think it always it's like 53, been. 54 type thing. Like the average game is like 54 points in college football.
5: Yes. Yeah. It's always been higher because the clock, of course, you know, has always stopped on first downs. But let's talk about that because you're right. Now it has a rule change no. now. And that's another thing that could technically benefit unders is the clock's going to run quicker. So the game should be maybe a little lower scoring, especially teams that run the ball.
2: That's interesting that you see you. you, I'm glad that you brought that up. Actually, I've heard coordinators say that it's not a problem for them. Yeah, that they're going to go faster. That they basically, I've heard a few say we're going to get the same amount of plays off anyways. We're just going to go a little bit faster. And I've heard other coaches say it doesn't bother them as long as they get more plays off than the other team. But it is an interesting dynamic.
5: Well, and the one thing, the first thing I thought is teams throw the ball more than they ever have, right? So the 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 clock will stop them in completion. So like I said, running teams. You know, because you're running the ball, there's never an incompletion. And the reason I bring that up is because Navy probably is going to run the ball a lot still. Not only because they've always been a triple option, even with a new tilt, but because they're the underdog and they want to keep things close to the best while the game is close. And that's another reason that first quarter line is so low compared to the game total, because while it's a competitive game, Navy is more likely to run the ball.
2: UTEP in Jacksonville State's an interesting number, Steve. UTEP minors are minus one. Is this one of these trap games and trap lines with the UTEP minors?
5: Yeah, we've seen money come in on both UTEP. They actually opened as a slight dog in some spots, and now they're minus one. But where we've seen some sharp money in this game has been on the over. Uh, it opened around 52.5. It's as high as 53, 54 in different spots now. Um, I do like the over in this one. Uh, Jacksonville State, good, quick offense. A team that wants to run a lot of plays, like you just talked about, but really questionable on defense. They're making the jump up to Division One A after being an FCS school. And UTEP's been really bad over the years, but um, still. I think that's why we've seen the line move here. You're getting a proven you know, FBS team against a new FBS team.
2: So speaking of being really bad over the years, UMass have been terrible over the years, but there's been a little bit of line movement here, Steve. The Aggies, New Mexico State, were 7.5 for the last uh, couple of weeks. It's now 6.5, very light number here in total. 45 is the over-under. UMass at New Mexico State.
5: Yeah, and I think that's exactly why we've seen the dog get some love. You know, they went from 9.5 down to 6.5 because if it is a low-scoring game, obviously getting more than a touchdown favors the underdog. But the question becomes, is there any value left now that it's crossed over that key number of 7?
2: I'd say the game of the day from a competitive uh, factor would would be the Ohio Bobcats and the San Diego State Aztecs. It seems to me that the Bobcats are a very trendy pick in this game. We're seeing the number at 2.5 right now, the total at an even 49 it looks like Curtis Rourke has been cleared to play and will play in this football game coming off the ACL surgery. His brother Nate on the Jacksonville Jaguars uh, right now. But uh, Curtis has been a great quarterback uh, with Ohio. Everybody likes Ohio here heading west against San Diego State. And San Diego State are another team that say that they're going to get a little bit more aggressive in throwing the football offensively this year.
5: Yeah, and this has crossed over the key numbers, too. I mean, this was as high as four and a half during the summer. It's now down to two, you know, so that key number of three has been crossed. And once again, it's a low total for college football in the high 40s here. Understandable, though, San Diego State's been a very good defensive team over the years. Uh, Last season, they allowed 21 points, which is actually the most they allowed in any of the previous four years. They've given up 20, 18, and 13 the three years before that. Um, But yeah, Ohio does look like maybe a play-on team in the MAC this year. I think that's why we've seen the money come in on them.
2: Last year, Vanderbilt absolutely smoked uh, Hawaii in the first game of the season. Now they're laying 17 and a half. This time the game is in Tennessee. The total is fifty-five and a half. and a half here. Vanderbilt are one of these programs that are, they're quietly doing a great job recruiting. There's a little bit of buzz around this football team for whatever reason. Eight people picked them to actually win the SEC in the SEC media, at uh, SEC media week. Uh, win their division eight people did and five people picked them to actually win the sec as a whole which i think might be a little bit insane and overly ambitious but they are a program on the rise laying 17 and a half here
5: yeah they've only been favored twice in the last three seasons and they're one and one and and two and oh straight up one of the wins was a two point one over connecticut and then of course as you mentioned the big blowout last year against the hawaii team by the way that was as disoriented as any team in the country starting the season last year Vandy um, went in there and won 63-10. It's actually closed as only a nine-point favorite. Interesting that this game is now in Tennessee because you got to wonder what would have happened if it had been out in Hawaii with all the distractions with the wildfires and whatnot. Um, Hawaii is a team that always struggles to travel to the mainland, but this being the first game, they've had extra time to prep and get here. With that said, the fact that Vandy is an up-and-coming team and they only have Alabama A&M on deck next week, uh, hard to imagine they're going to overlook blowing out an opponent once again when they can.
2: No, I don't think Vanderbilt's going to take the pedal off the metal. And- You know, Their big deal is just trying to get to a bowl game. USC have bigger aspirations than a bowl game. They're minus 30. San Jose State are plus uh, 30 points in this game. The total is 66 and a half. San Jose State should be a competitive team in Mountain West play. They've got all five offensive linemen back. They've got their quarterback back. They've done a nice job in the transfer portal. They've got a real solid coach. But with all that being stated, they're going to be in tough uh, here. I'm kind of tempted by 30 points. But... I do believe that USC are going to get to 45-50, so then you have to ask yourself, how many points will San Jose State actually score in this game? USC's team total is 47.5, and and it's funny because, you know, without even looking before, I said, wow, they're going to get in between 45 and 50, and it's 47.5. The odds makers feel the same way. The real question is, how many points can a Spartan put up?
5: Yeah, I think that's going to be the question here. And the question for me is, you know, how much better has USC's defense gotten this year? Because that's what kept them from being a true championship contender last year. Despite going 11 and three straight up, they gave up 29 points a game. Uh, the year before that, they gave up 32 points a game and went just four and eight. Um, they got to play better defensively, which I think they will this year. And this is one of those big favorites. I would definitely be on the big favorite. If you're going to play this game. And the fact that the total is so high at 66 and a half will make it easier for USC to cover and win by 31 or more.
2: You know, the thing is with USC, I think their defense... They do have some, like, NFL talent, actually, this year on the defensive side of the football. Their secondary is very good. They've got, like, a really, really good NFL stud uh, safety. There are some pieces there, but as you stated, I don't think... Like, I don't think they're Georgia good, Michigan good, Alabama good, right, when it comes to defense, like, sort of that elite stuff, but at the same point in time, I'm not sure San Jose State can do anything about it. <laughs> like, like, USC might get exposed by some power rushing attack or something like that. But, you know, San Jose State aren't that team. Finally, in closing, we got Florida International getting a lot of points against Louisiana Tech. Uh, Louisiana Tech, 11-point favorites.
5: Yeah, and this is another one of those lines that's gone up a bit. Saw some 10.5s this summer. Um, I think the smart money is probably on Louisiana Tech. And uh, this total is held pretty steady, 58.5. We haven't seen much movement on this game, um, but I think Louisiana Tech's a better squad. And early in the season... You know, I don't like to bet against a better squad uh, unless you have a pretty good reason.
2: One look ahead to next Thursday night, guys. And, you know, the, the card starts to get interesting next Thursday. we got the Florida Gators and the Utah Utes, actually, all the way down to five and a half with the Utah Ute quarterback situation. But I've noticed this number keeps dropping over and over, just keeps coming down. Half a point here, half a point there. And that's uh, NC State and UConn. It's down to 15 right now. UConn hosting NC State.
5: Yeah, it's interesting because you talked about UMass, you know, playing this Saturday in week zero and how they've been such a bottom feeder. UConn's been pretty much close to that other bottom feeder up in New England the last few years. Um, I do think this team has improved, but NC State is still, I think, one of the better teams in the ACC. But so it's been interesting to me to see that line drop because, you know, early a week or two before the game, that that's pretty sharp money back in UConn. That's not Joe Public coming in.
2: No, I'm telling you, they're a trendy team. Uh, They really, you know, listen, Mora did a great job uh, last year, and a lot of people think they're going to even be better this year. Steve Merrill, wagertalk.com. Thanks for the time, Steve. Thanks, kid. The late night anger management class
3: continues. Bring it.
2: This is the Sports Grid Radio Network. I was hoping you and your friends could tell me something about baseball strategy. The only thing I know about strategy is that whatever the manager does, it's wrong. Uh, Unless it works, in which case he's a button pusher. Thanks to Steve Merrill for kicking it with us. The quickest hundred minutes of sports talk radio continues. Countdown to kickoff continues. Countdown to tip off is on. The FIBA World Cup, for you basketball uh, junkies out there, it's going to be great stuff. But unfortunately, once again, the times are all whacked out, right? Like, uh, where are we playing? We're in the Philippines. We're in, like, Malaysia. We're all over the place, mostly in Asia. So, once again, similar to the, uh, the Women's World Cup, it's, it's great for the late-night better, right? And if you're tuning into the show, that's probably you, actually. So in a couple of nights at this time, we could be debating, well, should we take Angola plus the points or not? Uh, but let's look at the numbers right now and get you caught up to date and sort of set the stage for you as far as some of the rosters are concerned and everything. The USA are favorites to win the FIBA World Cup. They're minus 125. As it is right now, the second, third, and fourth choices, they're sort of all evenly bunched up together, and it's sort of depending on your book right now, but we can tell you the USA are the favorites at minus 125, France are now plus 800, Australia are plus 900, Canada are 10 to 1, Spain are 12 to 1, Serbia 12 to one Slovenia 18 to one Germany who just played the United States uh, tonight actually and it was a very close game uh, the USA did end up uh, winning late Germany 25 to one the game was uh, the final exhibition game final tune-up for the for the teams uh, it begins for real on Friday and uh, Saturday uh, Greece is 30 to one Lithuania is 33 to one Italy is 50 to one Brazil is 80 to one and we can go on and on there's a million teams all the way down to angola at like 750 to 1 jordan lebanon etc iran there's a lot of teams in this tournament it's it's the world cup it's the world cup and there's olympic um, olympic spots are on the line for next summer's olympic games as well it's a big it's as big as it gets so canada were the second choice to win but they don't have jamal murray playing for them anymore so, Jamal Murray was at the training camp, and um, his knee really wasn't holding up enough that he was comfortable to go overseas, and he didn't think, you know, that he would be able to last the entire tournament coming off the NBA Finals run, so Jamal Murray tapped out, which obviously doesn't help uh, Canada, but at least he did it far out enough that they could prepare for life without him, and Canada are still a pretty stacked roster with NBA players. After the United States, Canada have the most NBA players on their roster. Australia have a pretty low, uh, loaded roster as well. So, for the record, Canada is led by uh, Shai Gilgis uh, alexander and R.J. Barrett. Uh, but S.G.A. is the pure scorer. He's, you know, it's basically going to be get him the ball and get out of the way, and you know, hopefully he can drop 30, 40 a night type of deal. Uh, R.J. Barrett is a very good international player. Canada have some ballers on their team. So it's SGA, R.J. Barrett, Dylan Brooks, Lou Dort, Dwight Powell, uh, Nikhil Alexander-Walker, Zach Eady, and uh, Kelly Olilnik. Corey Joseph was a late scratch. Jamal Murray uh, was injured and a late scratch. And they felt as if, though, that the, uh, the sharp kid on Portland and both Ben Matherin were a little bit too raw and young. They went with the roster that they basically had. And you could say, well, Zach Eadie is young. But, yeah, he's also seven four, right? So he could be used in certain spots. Australia have a nice collection of players themselves. Josh Giddy, Patty Mills, Mathis Tybal, Josh Green, Dyson Daniels, Joe Ingles, Dante Exum, Jock Landale, and Xavier Cooks. That's why Australia are being taken seriously in this tournament. And Australia are a generally pretty good uh, international team. Once again, no Ben Simmons. Germany are led by the Wagner brothers. you got Franz Wagner, Mo Wagner, Dennis Schroeder, and uh, Daniel Theis. Spain? Spain isn't as loaded as they used to be. They really don't. You know, they've got a couple of NBA guys. They've got um, Hernan Gomez. Uh, you know, they got Juan, uh, Juan Hernan Gomez, Willie Hernan Gomez, Rudy Fernandez, and a bunch of dudes from, from the Spanish League and the EuroLeague. Slovenia? Well, it's Luca. My name is Luca. Except I don't think Luca lives on the seventh floor or the fourth floor, whatever song uh, Luca lived on. I think Luca lives in a penthouse. And Zoran Dragic. Luca's a freaking baller, all right. Like we all know this, but he's one of these dudes that there's almost an extra edge to him. Like when when he's playing international ball. Like, he really is good enough to single-handedly, like, beat anybody. (laughs) Like You know what I mean? Anybody that's watched him play international basketball, he really is, like, you know what, just give me the ball. Like, he really gets into that, give me the ball, and I got this type of deal. For, you know, for prop players, and there's going to be props for this, for all the games, there's going to be player props. Uh, Let's you know, we'll be hammering Luka Doncic props, all right? He's going to go off. The Dominican Republic, Carl Anthony Towns, is uh, is their guy? France or France are really good too. France have a bunch of NBA guys, but not as many as Canada and the USA do. But France have Evan Fournier, Rudy Gobert, Nicolas Batum, uh, Decolo, who's not an NBA player, but he's a French staple. Has been around in international play forever. They don't have uh, obviously Victor Wembenyama So this going to be It's going to be a fun tournament. But pretty much every book, so I don't like talking about things that only certain people can bet on, but pretty much every book out there has all these crazy props for this. And to me, the bet that I like here is the top, uh, top point score of the tournament. SGA on Team Canada is plus 350 right now. I think SGA is going to have a great tournament, but R.J. Barrett scores as well for Team Canada. And they've got to keep Dylan Brooks happy a little bit, right? He's going to get some shots. He's going to get some looks. Canada, yeah, SGA is their best player, but I can see him. You know, he's going to be going off, but I don't think he should be favored at plus 350. And it's interesting because he wasn't before. Him and Luka Doncic are both the favorites at plus 350 to score the most points. And I think people are missing out on the player that actually is going to score the most points in this tournament, and that's Anthony Edwards. I think there's a thought, and Coach James Young, and, when Coach me and Young uh, were debating this, he said, well, you know, there's so many good players on the USA. Yeah, well, whatever. Anybody that's paying attention to this and been watching and tracking these these tune-up and you know exhibition games Anthony Edwards is killing it. He scored 34 points tonight. Like, Anthony Edwards has, like, solely become the USA score. It's basically feed Anthony Edwards. There's other guys on the team, but there's no real pure sort of superstar scores like he is. He is He's become that guy. Jalen Brunson is running, you know, running the point. Uh, you've got Halliburton on the team. You've got Austin Reeves. You've got Jaron Jackson, who's the defensive player. Like, Anthony Edwards in every one of these uh, tune-up games has scored, like, a ton of points. And also, the USA are going to play more games than anybody because they're going to go to the final for sure. We're not, you know, Slovenia's not, you know, you don't know if Luka's going to the final. They're they're probably not. He can only do so much as one guy. So, yeah, he can score a bunch of points, but he's not going to play as many games. SGA is, is dangerous, and I think Canada could make it to the final against the U.S., which means he'd play in a lot of games throughout the tournament, but... You're not getting a ton of value at plus 350. Anthony Edwards, it's six to one, man. As I stated, like he's just a scoring machine in this international play. Nobody can stop him. And the USA are feeding him, and, and the US have a lot of unselfish players on their team. I've liked Anthony Edwards from the onset, and I like him even more now. Just when you you look at this, like Luca, whatever, Luka's really good. His team's not going to make it to the finals, so Luka's not going to play as many games as Anthony Edwards is. Uh, Gilgis Alexander could make it to the finals, and I think he could put up a ton of points, but I don't think he's going to score as much as uh, Anthony Edwards is. I think this is Anthony Edwards' sort of warning shot to to the world and to the to the NBA for the upcoming season. Listen, I, I bought in last year. I'll admit, uh, sometimes I'm wrong, and I was. I bought in last year to the Minnesota Timberwolves. I thought, you know what, with Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, you bring bringing Rudy Gobert, all the complimentary parts that they have, they're going to be a really dangerous and scary and talented team. And at times they were, but the chemistry was really bad. It just didn't work. And I don't think they disliked each other personally. I don't think it was a case where they all like really like hated each other and all that. But I think it was just like a from a basketball perspective, it was frustrating. They were kind of all in each other's way. But if they could ever just sort of figure it out and just all sort of know their roles, they could be a very dangerous team in Minnesota Timberwolves. But either way, Anthony Edwards is a badass, and he's on the verge of superstardom. He's already a star, but he wants to take it to the next level. And international play is a good way to do it. Not to mention, too, like, this isn't the USA's, like, elite team. You know what I'm saying? Like, Devin Booker's not here. Kevin Durant's not playing LeBron, etc. This isn't the elite, elite team. But, these guys on this team are trying to get on the, the elite team for next summer. The, the Olympics are next summer. So, Anthony Edwards is trying to send a message that I am part of the elite status. I am one of the best American players. I, I deserve this. Trey Young... You know, oh I want to be on they don't think Trey Young's good enough defensively. That's why Trey Trey Young's like I should be on the team. He's not. said, Oh, I want to be on the team, but the USA, he's played USA basketball for them before in the past, and evidently I guess reports are, they just don't think he's international material. That he, he he's too offensive minded, he's not versatile enough. If you look at the USA team, they're very versatile. The US should win this thing but they're a little undersized uh the US team. This is that's going to be their problem like if there's any sort of if there's any sort of weakness and I don't really know weakness is a strong word because they're so loaded but a good example is they got out rebounded tonight actually by by Germany. Like the US have been beat on the glass in a lot of these exhibition games. So that could be a concern. Some of these teams are pretty big, and it should be noted, too, this is international basketball, man. This isn't like NBA refs, like the rules are different. We should note goaltending is basically allowed. Like you can take the ball off the rim. Like it's, it's a different – there's a different flow to it. There really is. There's a different flow to this, and you're playing against a bunch of European dudes that play this style of basketball already under, like, FIBA rules. The ball is different, even. The ball is not the same as an NBA ball. The late-night anger match for clocks, the quickest undernames in sports, Anthony Edwards plus 600. I like it. We always like to end the night on a positive note, something to look forward to. I saw a lady that was like 118 years old talking about the um, what, like what is the key, what is the key to living as long as she did, and the key to happiness. And she said it's always having something to look forward to. So, you know, at the end of the show, we try to you know give you something to look forward to. And I gotta tell you. Um, Very, very, very good number. Anthony Edwards at plus 600. He's been absolutely dominant. And as deep as the United States are, he is their scorer. And he's going to score 30-plus a night. Like, some of these games, like, he really could go off. They're playing the USA play New Zealand. That's the USA's first game up. And that's in the early morning hours on, um, on Saturday. Canada and France is Friday morning at 9.30 Eastern time, 6.30 Pacific. And that game is a near pick'em. This game is critical. The win, Obviously, they're in the same group, Canada and France. are playing against each other. And, you know, Porzingis is out of the tournament right now. Like, basically, whoever wins this game is going to win that group, and it'll make their life a lot easier moving forward. So this Canada-France game is massive. As it is right now, France are minus one-and-a-half-point favorites. Canada are plus 105 on the money line. The total is 165-and-a-half. The, USA, the USA's tough game is against Greece. Except it's not so tough anymore without Giannis, as uh, Giannis is too hurt and uh, injured to play. So the USA's first game is Saturday morning at 8:40 Eastern time, 5:40 Pacific. The USA are 36 and a half point favorites over New Zealand. The total is 185 and a half. We look forward to breaking uh, this tournament down. But lock it in, Anthony Edwards, to be the top point scorer of the tournament, plus 600. Other than that, you're on your own. Later.
0: BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Archaea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
1: Want the same expert advice you get from the pros in the store while shopping online at discounttire.com? Meet Treadwell, your personal online tire guide that matches you with the perfect tire for your vehicle. Get your best match in one minute or less with Treadwell by Discount Tire.